welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Alex Barsinas. Let's give it up for Jesus, most importantly, hey? Yeah. It really is an honor to be able to do uh, what we're doing. And, um, you know, there's been a few exciting things, activities around the place. Uh, pretty happy with what God is up to in our church and our people. Last Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m., we had an inaugural, our very first business breakfast event. Who was there for that event that morning? And uh, I've been to a ton of these things in previous churches uh, from the Grand Hyde Hotel venue to uh, the Holiday Inn. But who knew a little Sunny Boy Beach Club restaurant in, in Mordialic? God would turn, up, turn on the weather, amazing views, great food, great company. But in, also, we were quite blessed and privileged to have Pastor David Balestri just speak life and fan that flame into our business and kingdom-minded people that... I think by far it's probably one of the best sessions I've ever heard. I'm seeing a lot of nods from our, from our guys that were, and girls that was there. And so I think we're stepping into a, a, an exciting season. Uh, we, we did hear from God at the start of the year. The, the vision is to strengthen our nets. And basically what it means is how do we ensure that we're creating a space for people to grow that we're, we're quite good at the front end in witnessing. We saw that yesterday. Pastor Lee from Geelong, who helped coordinate the outreach with Steve Slater here, told me there's about 25 to 30 people that went out to, on the streets from our house and other campuses and other churches too. So, so about 20 salvations. So we're, we're quite good. Praise God for salvations. And what really excites me is I'm, a, I'm an evangelist at heart. You know, as a young believer, I see people at Flinders Street Station, I'd read in my Bible, oh, that's what I'm meant to do, I'd join them. And I love leading people to the Lord, I love seeing them just face as their countenance change, as they give their hearts to God. But the other thing that really excites me is seeing people grow in the things of God, see them run in their calling, take a, a step of faith, take a risk. And last Saturday represented one of my passions, and just to see people activated, encouraged in their walk of life, that not everyone needs to be a pastor, not everyone needs to be, uh, I was going to say televangelist, you don't need to be a televangelist, but you can be a, a business person, you can be someone working in your industry, in your workplace, and represent God 100%, and know that you are called in, in that particular area, reaching people that we can't reach ourselves, and so God has just started to stir that side in me. I, I felt my last day in the corporate world, uh, when was that? Mid-January this year, I felt God say to me, you'll be back. You'll be back, although you're going to step into full-time ministry, but you'll be back and, and speak into the corporate world. And that, that desire never left from day dot. Um, and hence, I think one of the reasons why I've got so much passion, just bring the business guys together. And so, especially after Saturday, I had that huge hunger again, because Pastor David Blessery said, oh, I just drew so many um, parallels. He said when he, when he was in the corporate world, he daydreamed about the church. And then when he stepped into full-time ministry in, in the church world, he daydreamed about the business world. And I was kind of like that from day one. I, I love working here. I love working here. But 
thank God, after Saturday, that the appetite just rose again. I've got to do something about these coaching skills that I've had. I've been coaching someone here, just on the side. And uh, lo and behold, I got a text from my previous boss on Thursday. And she asked me, and a previous colleague as well, because she's moved on to uh, a pretty big bank, one of the big four banks. And she's got her first team off-site Tuesday night next week. And asked, invited me to come and speak. So I thought, praise God. They'll be able to prophesy, not just speak, but prophesy into some uh, secular corporate people's lives. And uh, on the way out from the corporate world, I led uh, two colleagues um, and, and a senior leader as, as well. So I'm back for more. So thank God they didn't, they didn't uh, get turned off by that experience. Praise the Lord. Um, the New Believers course, Beck Oliver, I just want to honor you. Can I, can I get you to stand up, please? There you are. Beck Olver is our new Believers Coordinator, and uh, we, we've had a coaches training uh, about two Thursdays ago, and whoever was there for that night just saw Beck in action and how exciting this uh, discipleship course will be for our church, knowing that we're getting people off, you know, just being lost off the streets into this house, getting saved, but then also, like Pastor Charles said, making disciples of all nations. And I can see this church just growing from strength to strength, from glory to glory, as we help our people grow and become strong in, in their faith. So thank you, Beck, for all the hard work that you've done so far. And I can't wait for this course to kick off. So again, please meet us at the info desk or sign up online if you are a new believer or, or have rededicated your lives to God as well. All right, I think I should better, better get into it, hey? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for making an impact in our world, in our personal lives, and in, in the lives that you've entrusted around us as well. That we make an impact that will last into eternity. So God, I pray that you just speak to me in the next few minutes, Lord, on how to leave a lasting legacy for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, as I think most of you know, um, it hasn't always just been these last couple of weeks, all uh, roses in the park and, and sunshine, and there's been some amazing things that's been happening. But for those of you who don't know, my stepdad, Peter, who, who I've called dad, uh, especially in the last four months as he battled with lymphoma cancer, uh, never had... The, the thought that I'd call him dad because my real dad is still around and just worried about how my real dad would feel. I, I thought, I've got to get in there, got to get it in there. 26, 27 years, not telling him I love him, I've got to let him know that I love him. So the last four months as he was in hospital, I think we have a picture of, of dad up there, I'll let him know. i let him know that, that I love him and I, I, I was praying about this morning um, in, in lead up to this this uh, Sunday, and I felt the Lord say, dedicate this message, this message to your father, to your dad, Peter, who is now in glory with him, because praise God, in his last seven weeks of life, his first day into palliative care, he dedicated his heart to the Lord after I asked him, where do you think you'll be after this life? I know you say you're a, you're a man, a Catholic man, but where do you honestly think you sit with God? If you were to pass away and be before Him in judgment, He, he had 
no idea and, and a sense of uh, fear. So we know it's not that complicated. And uh, he gave his heart over to the Lord wholeheartedly. And at his funeral, um, in lead up to it as well, a sense God just wanted to just give that invitation out to the, to the uh, people there, the friends and family. And uh, there, there was a little bit of resistance. Uh, I, I love her. From, from his biological daughter, who he never really grew up with, the day before, I offered to pray for her and whatnot, and just a bit of resistance. I'm not religious at all. And then it, it's a Catholic church where the um, funeral was, and I thought, well, how's the priest going to react if I was to speak about the Bible? And uh, Charles was saying, uh, towards the altar call, you saw him shaking, right? So I said to Charles, it's either the power of God. I was very nervous with what I was about to say. <laughs> but I talked about eternity. I talked about how this is not it. If I can draw an example from what I've seen recently from online, thank God for televangelists as well, hey, that if we look at the microphone, this microphone here, and the cord that just goes on and on and on and on and on, this microphone represents this short life here. All the things we get hung up about, all the things we worry about, all the things we just lose sleep over, we're so focused on this, forgetting that eternity, life after here, just goes on and on and on and on and on. And whatever we do here, whatever we decide to do with Jesus, who paid the price for our sins, will determine where we will be. And for us believers, we've been here for a while, we've got a few more years, because I think you've all figured it out by now, we're not going to be here forever. We're all going to die, we're all going to pass away. But the good news is, God promises rewards in heaven. So I think this morning it's appropriate for us to look at what is God saying in Scripture for us to leave a legacy for the next generation, for the generations to come. And so I'm going to draw some parallels to my, my dad who, although he wasn't a man of faith for most of his life, represented some biblical characteristics and, and uh, traits of someone who would be a godly person. And I will draw upon Scripture as well. But my first point is to live righteously, be honorable and do good. You can see my, my dad up here has got a bit of um, some medals from the army. He, he finished up as a captain before leaving the army. He served in the RSL for 50 years at every dawn service. And he was quite an honorable man. To have taken on my brother and myself from age 9 and 10, treating us like his own, even though we obviously look the same. <laughs> taking us to baseball, signing us up to join the club. He never treated us any differently. And often it's sad, you hear stories about abuse and things like that in, in that type of setting. But I was so blessed and mum knew it and, and even my, my real dad saw how honorable and how good he was that he, he helped them in their business and put some of his own money into helping them get their business off the ground. And so... Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 35 says, The wise shall inherit 
glory or another version honor but shame shall be the legacy of fools we have the choice to leave a legacy that is good or leave a legacy that is bad and I honestly think that we in this short life we get a chance to make an impact forever so if we've been living like a fool like the Bible says shame shall be the legacy but if we will we will live wise honorable and do good we shall inherit honor and pass that on to our children and our children's children and our spiritual children Galatians 6:10 says this so then while we we have opportunity let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith you know what what I love about our church is that we treat each other like family and sometimes we're actually closer than family and um, I, I said to to dad in hospital I, I, I can't I can't um, I love my church family I'll tell them I love them but I feel like you've been missing out from me telling you I think you know how, how much I love you because I don't know but I've never said it to you but it's, it's just so natural I love how our church is just so easy to love I love how we just get around each other and just love on each other the Bible talks about there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother and I love how we we get to do life together but that we get to leave this lasting impact and legacy knowing that we loved well on one another the Bible says that you shall know them by their love for one another so we want to be good we want to do good be honorable live righteous have integrity I'm not saying we need to be perfect but at least be honest in all our dealings and that's one of the things I learned from from Peter my dad that he wasn't a man of shortcuts he wasn't a man of cutting corners he talked about the hard yards he talked about doing it tough it was represented in his army life represented in his golf life it's a pity that you guys never had around the golf um, no offense but I think he might have whooped you Dan <laughs> 13 trophies president of the Beacon Hills Golf Club but he knew sacrifice he knew discipline he knew the value of doing things the right way being honorable point two leave an inheritance leave an inheritance Proverbs 13 22 says this a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous now we don't have to think about monetary inheritance properties shares all that kind of stuff if you're able to leave that for your children's children that's amazing that's good but I think what's more important is that we leave a spiritual godly inheritance for our kids to inherit so my natural dad isn't uh, the wealthiest man in the world but the best inheritance that he's already left with me I already get to dab into that inheritance is introducing me into a relationship with God not him personally but he raised us in a church like this growing up facilitated a space for us to get to know our Creator 
gather around people who would encourage my brother and myself to get to know God. And the best inheritance that he could ever leave us is not cars, wealth, money, houses, shares, none of that. It's the thing that will last into eternity. It's Jesus. So a good man will leave an inheritance for his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So you can have money. You can have all the wealth. You can have the shares and all that kind of stuff. But if you're not a righteous man, it's going to go to someone else anyway. Someone who God trusts, a righteous person that he can entrust that wealth to. Psalm 37 verse 25 to 26. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. You know, I'm still young. I like to consider myself young, although technically I'm not a young adult anymore. In my previous church, we, our rules was, you're 35, you're still a young adult. That's your cutoff point. And I'm heading into my older age right next to you, Jess, technically, yeah, according to our previous church rules. But we've never seen the righteous forsaken or their descendants begging for bread. It says here right, right after, he's ever merciful and his descendants are blessed. He lends as well. There's this thing that is such a hallmark for someone who practices these, these traits, who are merciful, who lends, and their descendants are blessed. You know, I, I love how, if I can share this intimate thing with Pastor Dan, share with me. As our kids are growing up, they're being more aware and, and understanding of uh, the conversations that we have. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about church, but he also said, let's be, I think he had a dream about it as well, from God, to raise our kids to understand that ministry is not, uh, you know, something that you're going to hate when, in, in the future. Like, there's stuff that we need to talk about that's quite important, but also there's stuff that we need, that we celebrate, and they, they hear that stuff as well. And we, we get to basically just, when, when it comes to the sensitive stuff, just to, to be aware, to hold, hold out our tongue when the kids are around. But then also, I think what's important is to display and show mercy. That when things get tough, that we can actually display mercy for our kids to, to see. And leaving an inheritance of godliness. You know, the other day, Jess was on the way to... The shopping center, our three-year-old girl, out of nowhere, no promptings, just said, Mommy, when we get to Kmart, can we pray for the lady at the counter? And it, you've heard it said before, it's not necessarily what's taught, but what's caught. See, what, where I think she gets that from is every time that we go through the, the drive-ins at Macca's, at Guzman Y. Gomez, KFC, whatever drive-in, I go, hey, kids, watch this. They give me the food or I'll pay for it. Hey, Jesus loves you. And in the uh, first couple of weeks I started doing it, Alana, the same girl who offered to pray for a uh, Kmart person, she cringed. She goes, Daddy, don't. She, she already knew what was coming up. She said, Daddy, Daddy, don't say, don't say Jesus loves you. 
I go, why? Why, Lana? She goes, I, I, I don't know. She couldn't articulate that she felt embarrassed and whatnot. I go, no, it's, it's going to be all good. Trust me, it's all good. So I said, Jesus loves you, and she still kind of cringed a little bit. I got told to wait at the, at the waiting bay at Macca's because the food wasn't ready yet. And I go, Alana, watch this again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it again. So the, the, the girl drops off the food and I said, hey, Jesus loves you. And the girl goes, oh, thank you so much. You're so thoughtful. Thank you so much. And Alana witnessed that. So she, just, she realized it's not really that hard or that bad. That I, I want to leave an inheritance of godliness for my kids. I want to I leave something behind that as they grow up, that they focus on what really matters. That Jesus, He is the center of it all in this life and the one to come. So I'm proud of our Alana. I think I shared it before that she um, also was the one that, that got turned off from prayer because we gave her robotic prayers. She was like, oh, Daddy, I don't, like, I don't like to pray anymore. I go, why is that? She goes, I just say things that I don't know what I'm saying. And so for a few weeks, she stopped praying. But now, she prays and then some. And uh, you can say she's a bit of a, a, a waffle machine too. <laughs> just goes on and on and on. I'd rather have that than no prayer at all. And a genuine prayer from the heart. And direct with discernment, a three-year-old understanding our cares and what's so important. And it's funny, though, because sometimes I think, is that prayer or is that feedback? She prayed over me and her older sister. God, help me uh, sing if she can't sing. Thanks, Alana. <laughs> Point number three, leaving a good legacy. Serve a greater purpose than your own. I mentioned that my, my dad, Peter, was a member of the RSL for over 50 years at the palliative care hospital. The senior leaders of the local RSL came, visited, and handed a letter to honor and thank him for, for his 50 years of membership and service. Every dawn service, out early in the morning, serving his local RSL community, this year he couldn't, obviously, because he was uh, hospital, hospitalized and couldn't make it. But he talks about so it, that, that, that representation of serving something greater than yourself. For those who've been around coaching theories and psychology gear and all that kind of stuff, you may have heard of Maslow's motivational model. What people's needs are. It goes from a basic level to the upper levels. And I'll, I'll just, I'll fly through them very quickly. We've got people's physio physiological needs in terms of their need to be uh, looked after in, in terms of um, their basic needs. So let, let me just get this in detail for you. The basic needs like air, food, drink, shelter, warmth, You've got safety needs, the next level up, protection from elements, security, stability, love and belonging needs, friendship, intimacy, relationships, esteem needs, reputation, respect, cognitive needs, that need to have knowledge and understanding. That's why we love documentaries so much and reading books. Aesthetic needs, appreciation for beauty, for balance, for form. And for a while, Maslow thought self-actualization needs was the greatest need of all. 
which meant reaching your full potential, understanding who you are, all those other needs met below, culminating in, in one who is operating at a level of maximum potential. But then after a while, Maslow recognized this, there's transcendence needs, which means to go across. Whenever the word trans is prefixed before a word, like transcontinental means to go across. A person is motivated by values which transcends beyond their personal self and serving others and recognizing that there's a greater need to be had and the top need is to serve others. Because who, who's seen celebrities who made it at the top of their game but then give back, give back to the community, give back to their local world? But I love how the Bible recognizes anyway many, many centuries ago. And that's why we see, go back to my notes, that Jesus said, if you want to be great, if you want to be first, then be last. And he modeled that, right? He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he said also, don't work for food that perishes, but work for food that lasts into the next life, into eternity. And so we see that, yes, we have our, our basic needs. Yes, we have those things that, that we need to do life well. But I think, especially for believers, especially if uh, you go to church after you've settled in for a while, after, you know, you, you might have gone through a bit of hurt and need some healing. Once those things have settled down, I think you really know you're part of God's house, part of the body, when you stop coming to church for yourself, but, but you start coming for others, that you start to serve others in the house. That's where you leave that lasting legacy, that lasting impact. And, you know, one of our, our business people here, I didn't know her from a bar of soap last year when I saw her name signed up for scrubbing the toilets voluntarily. I had no clue who she was. And uh, I rang her up and said, yeah, I would love that support. Thank you so much. And faithfully doing it every week that she was here, apart from when she was on holidays. Then a few months later, got to know who she was. And I was just amazed at the humility, at the willingness to serve. And we, we can serve in so many different capacities in so many different ways. But just that willingness that... that as my son, that humility to want to just give God's house excellence. And you may have seen some posters at the, in the foyer. So after this service, following on from Pastor Dan's message two weeks ago, service unto God, we're opening up the opportunity for anyone that wants to join in or sign up for a team. There's different stations. We've got youth, we've got the welcome lounge, we've got the ushering team, hospitality and cafe. If you feel an inkling to serve, then can I ask you to just head over to one of those stations, pray about it, and see where God wants you to be involved, and, and get your hands on with what God is wanting to do in this house. And I love how, how Steve is nodding there in the back with his ushering shirt on. He's our outreach leader, but he's also an ushering team leader too. I love how our people are just multi-talented, multi-skilled. Thank you, Auntie Glenda. Serving Declan right now. 
But that's how we leave a legacy, that we serve. Jesus said, if you want to be great, then you have to be last. If you want to be first, then you have to be last. Point number four, live a life obedient to God and pursue his calling. Live a life obedient to God and pursue his calling. Joshua 4, verse 21 to 22. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. This is a story about the Israelites as they were heading towards the promised land that the river Jordan was in their way. And who knows how the story goes that God had dried up that river, allowed for a dry path for them to cross, similar to the Red Sea. And they set up stones there so that, because I think they understood the importance of legacy. I think they understood the importance of leaving a message behind for the future generations that when they would ask what do these stones mean, tell them, this is where we crossed over. Tell them, this is where we were obedient to God. Tell them, this is where we took a step of faith, took a risk. Tell them that although it looked impossible, I was willing to make myself look foolish because I heard the word of the Lord that I had this business idea that I had this invention in mind that God asked me to raise these kids and sacrifice my work career for a while. But tell them as a result of this, God's goodness came through. Tell the generations to come. There's this man called, named George Washington Carver in the States, born into a slave family adopted by a plantation family that, that had cotton fields and things like that. But they, they were believers. And George Washington Carver grew up with the plantation owner's son. And he introduced him to Jesus. As he grew up, walking towards school, many, many miles away, he saw that the beauty of nature and botanics and things like that interested him. He went further on to study at a tertiary level, horticultural. I can't even say the word properly. But George Washington Carver left a legacy. There's a statue in his name with his, with his face in the South saying, this man single-handedly rescued the South from recession. See, what happened was, as George Washington Carver Pressed into God, heard from God, he allowed God to breathe on his talents and his gifts. He was known as the peanut man. Not for peanut butter, that's a myth. He wasn't known to invent peanut butter. But he saw how cotton fields just ravaged the soil and had no use for it after one or two seasons of harvest. But he saw how peanuts can replenish the land. But more than that, God gave him the the ability as he pressed into God, as he continued his walk in God, to find out 300 different ways that a peanut can be used. To this day, five Crayola colors are credited to George Washington Carver through the use of peanuts. 
So take that risk. Be obedient to the call of God in your life. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a revivalist in this sense on this platform, but you can be in your workplace, in your school, in your business. George Washington Carver wasn't a pastor, but he was a man that, who knew his calling, who was steadfast to the call of God, who stayed true to God his whole life. And to now we still talk about him today. My last point, tell people about Jesus with urgency. Heaven is real, hell is real, but I think sometimes we forget it. I, I, I think I forget it as well at different times, right? I forget the urgency of heaven and hell. And I was listening to, listening to this preacher, and he told a story about his son, his uh, youngest born son, who is uh, mildly autistic, has got five kids. They were away on family holidays. They were in Starbucks, lining up, getting their drinks. And shortly after, he looked around, his youngest son wasn't there anymore. They were, they were frantic. They, they were worrying. They were looking everywhere. And after 45 minutes, they found his son, his son near a, a riverbed. And it was quite scary because that area where they were on holidays was known for satanic worship, satanic rituals, where a, a girl's dental uh, remains was found. They identified her through her dental records. So the, the worst possible things were, was going on on his mind. What if my son got abduct, abducted? What if my son fell into these hands of these evil people? After 45 minutes, praise God, they found him crying, running to him to dad saying, dad, where were you? And God said to his heart, this is, this is what it feels like, son. This is what it feels like. That even though he still had 80% of his kids, four out of five, his heart was still longing for the lost. That's why Jesus left the 99 to seek the one. And, you know, during that time when they were looking for his son, there's a police officer who just crossed his arms, wasn't really interested. He said, oh, did you check the other shops? And did you go here? Did you go there? And God spoke to him. And he, he said, hey, Zoe, good to see you. Hello. Take over. <laughs> and he said, he said to God, I'm so sorry for the times that I never really understood how important it is for you. Imagine if one of his kids came up to him during that time and said, what's for dinner tonight? I mean, really? We're trying to look for the one. And not, not to say that God doesn't care about your needs. He does. But sometimes we, we place other things as a priority over the lost, over the very thing that we only get to take with us from this life into the next, which is other people. See, we leave everything behind. I was looking for my, you saw that photo before with the tie. I was looking for, for my dad's tie for his uh, funeral outfit, through his wardrobe, through his old line of clothes and socks and shoes. And it dawned on me, he's left everything behind. 
every single thing behind. He's left his house behind. He's left every single thing behind. One thing he gets to take with him is his spirit. And praise God, he made that decision. And God urged me during the eulogy to say, he's not the only one that's lost. So I mentioned earlier, I gave an altar call, spoke about heaven, praise God about 10 people in the Catholic Church raised their hands to receive Jesus. In the lunch break, in the lunchroom afterwards, the senior vice president of the local RSL, well on to his years, I talked to him about heaven, about eternity. He gave his heart to the Lord. Three other gentlemen that I knew as a young little boy growing up, Peter's friends, I haven't seen them in a long time. And he said, one of them said to me, you know, I don't wear suits anymore. Only, not for weddings, at least. It's just for funerals these days. And I said, look, it's been a long time since I've seen you and I hope to see you again here on earth. But if not, I hope to see you in heaven. I didn't mean to be cheeky. Maybe I did. But that started a conversation. And those three gentlemen also gave their hearts to the Lord. I told my mom afterwards, and she laughed, and she goes, I think you scared them. <laughs> I didn't mean to. But that's a, the reality. We have a choice after this life, where we'll be. That's right, it's our choice. God's given the provision. God's paid the price. So in this room right now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, can I just ask you with an open and honest heart, if you were to pass away and stand before God, how confident are you that you'll be in heaven with Him? How confident are you without any shadow of doubt that you are forgiven of your sins, of all your mistakes? Because even one lie has missed God's standards. We have sinned. We're sinners. But God has made a way for us to be right with Him through, His through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. So if you're in this room right now and you're not sure where you'll be, if you were to stand before God, God is saying, don't be unsure. I want you to have relationship with me. I want your sins to be forgiven. I want you to be in heaven with me forever. But more than that, I want you to have life and life to the full right now. And you only really get that through a relationship with God. If that speaks to anyone right now, who you know that you're not right with God, your sins are forgiven, can I ask you without anyone looking around, just to raise your hands. And, or if you've walked away from God, and you need to come back to Him. Can I ask you to raise your hand as well? Praise God. I think everyone here is saved. I never want to get up here and miss the opportunity. I always like to throw it out there. But just in case there is someone out there who is not right with God, can we just pray this prayer together? And maybe you can come speak to me afterwards as well. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and my mistakes. 
I receive your forgiveness and I'll give my life to you wholeheartedly. Walk with me and talk with me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.